Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. And look, if you're trying to head up to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl, of course, LSU-Oklahoma, that is later on this weekend, go check out the GameTime app. It is so quick and easy. And well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. Then under the billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for the $10 off your first purchase. That is free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code and it expires at the end of the year that is december 31st so make moves quick and score last minute tickets what is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dad who dad stuff who dad you know that's really kind of a, a fan you know that's that's our our, our chant <laughs> Duncan Holder podcast at you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. I am in New Orleans. Jeff is in Nashville, the lovely airport in Nashville on his way back home. Of course, Saints picking up the big win against the Tennessee Titans. Keeps them in pace to at least compete for the number one seed in the final weekend of the season and all kinds of Offensive aspects we could talk about, injuries. We got all kinds of things we're going to be chatting about here on the Duncan Holder podcast today. But Jeff, uh, look, I thought this score, this game might become a little bit high scoring. And you, you see the way the game opens up yesterday and you're thinking, uh-oh, this might be one of those games that get away from the Saints. And yet, uh, I think we've gotten to the point where this offense is the one that we really recall covering for the last several years where in in the really good years where they're never out of a game with this offense and it's really clicking everywhere isn't it yeah I think um, it should be a scary thought for the rest of the NFL uh, the way I look at it right now Larry the, the Saints offense is peaking at the right time uh, they've scored 34 more points in five of their last six games the only one they didn't was that Falcons game in Atlanta and, you know, they should have had more than 30 in that game. They dropped a couple of touchdown passes. Uh, but they're peaking at the right time. And I really feel like in the AFC, Kansas City and their defense is starting to come on. Uh, that was a problem for them early on. And I think they're peaking at the right time. So I'm already calling it, Larry. I think it's going to be a Chiefs-Saints Super Bowl. I think both those teams are on the rise. But the Saints in particular, even Sean Payton yesterday after the game, said, look, this team's got a lot of room for improvement. They you know, need to cut down the penalty. Penalties continue to be an issue. But if they can cut down on that, I mean, who knows how many points they're going to score because really that's the only thing stopping them is themselves with some of these uh, self-inflicted wounds. Otherwise, uh, this is like the old Saints of yesteryear, the vintage Saints offense. Uh, I looked it up just a little while ago before we came on air. Saints now eighth in the league in offense. I mean, they were hovering around the 20s. In midseason, so they've really, really started to ascend. Saints, Chiefs, Super Bowl, look out, man! Jeffrey going off the deep end today. No, 
no no holding back, man. You're you're all in now. I mean, well, I mean, I just feel like both those teams are kind of under the radar a little bit because they're not currently the number one seeds. But I think you and I both agree. Like the Saints have a great shot at one of those top two seeds, and I think Kansas City is going to get one of the top two seeds. And um, I think all the pressure in the AFC is going to be on Baltimore right now because they're playing so well. And I'm not sure they're ready for that. We'll see. I don't want to discount them. They've had a great season. But the Saints, to me, are just rolling right now. I thought you nailed your prediction, by the way, at being a high-scoring game. The weather was perfect, and the Saints started slow. But once they got going, I think they scored touchdowns on like six out of seven drives. Uh, and there was really nothing Tennessee could do to stop them. And what we're seeing now with Jared Cook coming on, Alvin Kamara finally had a breakout game. Uh, they're just going to be very formidable the rest of the way, especially when they start getting some of their offensive linemen back from injury. Yeah, and I would just look, and we know Michael Thomas is great. We know that. Jared Cook is really coming on. But I think the big piece to the puzzle that people have been waiting and waiting for was Alvin Kamara. And he looked more like the Alvin Kamara that we've seen the last two years. And people were wondering, when is this game going to come? When is he going to get back involved? And I think that's offensively my biggest takeaway from yesterday's game, that Alvin Kamara started playing better. 11 carries, 80 yards, of course, the big 40-yard touchdown. He added a second touchdown as well. And then you've got Alvin Kamara being the second leading receiver with six receptions, 30 yards. And so you get him going, and I feel like that's really kind of that, boy, you, you that one-two punch where if he can run it and then you could throw it to him, and it opens things up for everyone else, even though at times it might not look open. But still, uh, I think the fact they got Kamara going uh, is a big step. And I think you look at a player like him, I think all he really needs is one good game. And then he feels maybe more back in the flow. And uh, I know he spoke with the media after the game. And uh, he seemed like he was obviously in better spirits after a good performance. So, I mean, the, to me, uh, offensively, if you have that going, I don't know how, who's going to stop them, Jeff. I really, it'd be a hard time for any team. Yeah, the way the Saints' offense is, uh, the way Drew Brees is dialed in right now, uh, and he's starting to really uh, develop that connection with Jerry Cook. A couple of touchdown passes yesterday. One was like a brilliant uh, run by Cook down the sidelines, really showed off his athleticism. And then the second one was a vintage Brees kind of back shoulder, competitive catch throw where he just puts it up where only his guy can get it, and he trusts that Jerry Cook is going to make that play in a man-to-man matchup. That's what he does with Mike Thomas all the time. And Sean Payton talked about afterwards how the Titans were double-teaming Mike Thomas on third down, really trying to take him out of the game. And so it just shows you the brilliance of the Saints offense. They move him around. They get him in the slot. They're able to take advantage of some formations and motions they get him matched up one-on-one in the slot. Uh, so, it just again, it goes back to what we've seen over the years. Sean Payton, this offense, uh, it, once they really get going, they're always going to be a step ahead of the defense with the uh, chess game, and that certainly played out yesterday. I mean, he had, ends up with another monster game. Yeah, and Jeff, uh, just your thoughts on Kamara. I mean, like I said, you and me have been wondering, man, is this guy right? Is this uh, is he healthy? Is something else up? Uh, you know, And he's being asked these questions, too, uh, from those not in the media, people wondering what's wrong with him. And so what do you make of his performance against the Titans? Well, I'm sure it was a huge relief to him. He, you know, afterward, when we talked to him, Larry, he 
he downplayed all that, but I don't care what anybody says. You could tell he was frustrated. I mean, I can read body language. He's not going to admit it, but uh, I think the most admirable thing about him was how unselfish he was throughout all that. He didn't pout, or maybe he pouted a little bit, but he didn't make it into a, a me thing for him. And the game finally came to him, and I think you're right. I think that one game now uh, kind of relieves the pressure from him, and he could just go about playing and let the game come to him. Because I really think he was kind of pressing a little bit, and that was causing him, I think, to, to struggle even more. Uh, but that one run was just a brilliant run. It showed off his speed, his vision, and that was a check from Drew Brees, something he saw at the line of scrimmage, checked into it. Uh, so another great uh, Drew Brees moment there, along with the check that he made to, to Jared Cook. Um, but Kamara, if he gets going, Larry, um, I don't know what who's going to stop this offense because they've just got so many options right now. Yeah, and you just look at the way that this offense is is going now, and it, it look it took a minute when Drew Brees got back, obviously, to get himself right, and now it just seems like he is in the midst of another great season. It's like you almost have to wonder, okay, what happened if he didn't have that thumb injury? Uh, if maybe uh, this would have been even more prolific, but still, uh, you look at the way that Drew has really handled everything coming back from that injury, and uh, even through a bit of a what sluggish time, say, when you're taking on the Falcons, and I was uh, you know at home, and they had that, that rough performance, but then they bounced back, and and really is no end in sight. And of course, we can't forget the record-breaking performance from Mike Thomas. And even though, Jeff, you, you mentioned how Sean Payton saw double teams, this, that, and the other. They targeted him 17 times, 12 receptions, 136 yards, and a touchdown. And of course, he breaks the single-season record, passing Marvin Harrison. Uh, and he's just going to add on to it next week because everyone's going to be playing next week because you got to win just to have a shot at the bye, whether it's the two seed or the one seed. And so everyone's going to be playing next week, uh, full blast. And Carolina's basically on cruise control to get done with this season. And so uh, you're just going to add more to Mike Thomas's numbers. And I, I read part of Catherine's story. Of course, Catherine Terrell, our colleague, and, and Mike Thomas was trying to even just downplay this thing. He says, look, all right, I know I'm going to have one more game and we're going to do this, but uh, there are bigger, more important things. And, uh, you know, I think... Jeff, how many times have you seen a diva receiver be all about himself, this, that, and the other? And Mike Thomas just isn't that way. He's Is he confident? Yes. But is he this me guy? No, not even close. And I think that's what makes him great. And I think that's why Drew Brees trusts him and, and throws him the football in, in any given moment. And let's say this. What about a guy that sounds like a, a huge contract and, uh, you know, easily could be complacent after signing a deal for $20 million a year. A lot of guys would rest on their laurels. They finally made it. And he comes out and only has the best season by receiver in the history of the NFL. Uh, that's what you want when you pay a guy. And I'll say this, other than the, the infamous Junior Gallette deal, the Saints have paid the right people, right? I mean, they, they paid Cam Jordan. The guy never misses a game. He continues to get better. They paid Taron Armstead. I guess you could make a case he's had a bunch of injuries, but he's been the epitome of what you want in a leader and a left tackle. Obviously, Drew Brees. And now Mike Thomas, they reward him, and he comes out and responds as well. And I think that's a credit to him and his work ethic and his drive. 
uh, and commitment to excellence. I mean, it'd be easy to sit back and uh, count your dollars, and instead he's out working uh, extra hours after practice with Drew Brees. Yeah, and even two guys on him, no problem. They still find a way to get him the football, and and it's it's amazing how double digit catches, a hundred yards, and a score has just become commonplace. And it's almost he's almost become like the the Drew Brees. That's oh well, Drew he was awesome. This that and the other, and you just move on with your life. And it's funny uh, when Jeff, you, me, and Catherine did that roundtable last week, and someone came on the comments section. When are we going to give uh, Michael Thomas a uh, a push for offensive player of the year? And and Catherine came back and said. What else do you want to write about him? It's like, you know, we've we've just been, you know, marveling over everything that that he's done. And I've written about him a ton in the last year and a half and uh, everyone else has. And so, you know, he's becoming just commonplace. And I like it's that just goes to show you how good you really are when your great performances are just commonplace. Yeah. And uh, the, the focus of every defense is on Mike Thomas and he continues to produce. I think that's the ultimate compliment. Uh, to a guy because it, it's easy. We've seen the Saints in the past take out top receivers and really limit their production. No one has done that to Mike Thomas. And that consistency week to week is what I admire. And you and I get a chance to see him play. It's it's a lot like Drew Brees. The week to week consistency. Um, it's one thing that, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. comes to mind. He'll have like a incredible game with incredible highlights and he'll disappear for three weeks. And then he'll come back making all these highlights and it goes all over the internet viral. And that's, that's the other thing I'd say about Mike Thomas. He doesn't really have, much like Drew Brees, he doesn't make the just, oh my gosh, spectacular, uh, you know, 50-yard bomb touchdown reception. He just, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. It's these six, seven-yard, you know, catches, the, the slants, the, you know, the back shoulder throws on third down, competitive catches. He just beats you with, uh, uh, you know, catch after catch. And the next thing you know, you look up and he's got 11 catches for 100-something yards every week. It's, it's really remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. And before we switch gears, talk about the defense and go into kind of the playoff scenarios for the Saints, I uh, just want to remind all of our listeners, please go check out some of the incredible work we've done at The Athletic. Uh, I know a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, you get it free through Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. I get that. But – Right now, The Athletic, we have our best of 2019 series. It is live and unlocked for everyone to read. Our top 30 stories of the year. Also, some of our top podcasts as well. Those are free until the end of the year, so you get a little taste of what we're doing here at The Athletic. And, of course, we encourage you to subscribe. So, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder or just straight up theathletic.com slash New Orleans. And, uh, but, yeah, spread the word. Go check all that stuff out. Incredible work. Uh, not just these top 30 stories, but uh, the, the work in our market and the work throughout the country. It's really remarkable, uh, the work we're doing here at The Athletic. So, go check out the best of 2019. It's free, and you can share with your friends and Tell everyone. So go check it out, theathletic.com. So, Jeff, let's switch gears here a little bit. Uh, of course, it didn't look great early for that Titans game. I mean, look, they score a couple of touchdowns quick. All of a sudden, the Saints are down 14 nothing. And even though, uh, look, the Saints ended up coming back and winning, and uh, in, it looks more emphatic than maybe it was, uh, 38-28. But, Jeff, 
explosive plays. My goodness, uh, that was my big takeaway. Uh, you've got a 41-yard reception, a 49-yard run, a 36-yard touchdown. Uh, it seemed like that defense was kind of on its heels, and, and Jeff, a few more injuries had popped up within this game too. And uh, man, it's a good thing they went out and got Janoris Jenkins, right? Because Eli Apple had to leave the game. So uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how this uh, this unit kind of goes forward. I know Tennessee's offense has been playing very well. So uh, and they they did it without Derrick Henry. I mean, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, had a really good game. You look at his numbers, and I um, mean, he was quarterback rating of 133. I mean, uh, he was able to get five sacks. The Saints were able to do that on the on the defensive side. But look, Tennessee ran the ball 5.7 yards a carry. Of course, one of those runs definitely helped the uh, the AJ Brown run. But still, uh, I feel like man, uh, defense is still a little bit shaky in my mind. What, what did you kind of take away from uh, Sunday's game on, on the defensive side of the ball? Well, my biggest takeaway on the defense was just the work of the secondary kind of adjusting on the fly to all the injuries. You know, you lose uh, Eli Apple early to an ankle injury, and then uh, Marcus Williams goes down with a groin injury, and you're really scrambling. They only had three safeties up, and because of that, they ended up having to have P.J. Williams move to safety. Larry, I talked to him after the game, said he hadn't played safety since high school. Uh, you got him lined up at safety next to uh, a rookie, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Uh, you got Patrick Robinson coming in, playing the nickel. I thought he played his best game of his uh, second Saints tenure uh, at, at the nickel spot. And you had Janoris Jenkins out there at the other, other corner, along with Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, he wasn't even on the team a week ago, and I thought they held up really well. And you could even argue that they played better uh, with that group in there than they did with the starters uh, because Eli Apple gave up a few uh, passes, and Marcus Williams, again, was Marcus Williams missing tackles in the open field. I think for the first time I started to see, maybe not the first time, but we're starting to see Saints fans really become exasperated with Marcus Williams. Uh, His poor tackling in the open field is really – Hurt the Saints. I mean, frankly, Larry, you can't play safety and not be able to tackle. I mean, you've got that's the almost the number one job you have to have. You you are the safety at the very end. That's the whole point. And uh, he missed some open field tackles that really hurt the Saints. Led to some of those explosive plays. But going forward, the Saints are going to have to get healthy in the back end uh, because they're going to play a lot better passing attacks than what they faced Sunday against the Titans. I thought. Uh, Ryan Tannehill had his moments, but he also held the ball way too long a lot. That's a problem for him. It helped the Saints get a lot of those sacks. Uh, and they were just very conservative offensively. Uh, really strange strategy before halftime. I mean, the Saints get that touchdown with uh, Jared Cook, the long touchdown. The Titans have three timeouts, over two minutes left, and they just run the ball, and run out the clock almost. Didn't even really try and score. Uh, you can't beat the Saints playing that way. Mike Rabel needs to take a lesson from Kyle Shanahan. You've got to go in there throwing haymakers against Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and I thought uh, they played way too close to the best there, and uh, it came back to haunt them in the end. Yeah, that is bizarre, uh, the way they did it, and then, oh, the Saints come back out and put up 21 points in the third quarter, and it's almost then it's like, all right, lesson learned, and so you're wondering (laughs) if teams are going to ever try to pull that off again, which would be Certainly a mistake. Uh, but, but, Jeff, yeah, you mentioned some of these injuries, and I'm not sure how long it's going to take for Von Bell to get back. I mean, if you get him back, uh, 
this week or in the playoffs, I mean, that's going to help you. But it's going to be patchwork at this point because if Eli Apple and, and Marcus Williams are banged up and they can't go on Sunday, I mean, it's going to be this patchwork uh, squad again. And so, uh, you know, Janoris Jenkins will at least have had a week and uh, you'll have to play Patrick Robinson more and things like that. And so at least these are veteran guys who when they play well, they play well. So it's not like they're they're leaning on Sorry, Ken Crawley, but the Ken Crawleys of the world. I mean, you know, so at least, at least they're not having to do that, and they have some decent depth there with plenty of experience, so that's good. Uh, but yeah, and it also, even though Tannehill held the ball too long, the fact that you did give five sacks, I mean, that, I think the Saints could certainly use that. Of course, Cam Jordan adding to his Pro Bowl season. Uh, good to see A.J. Klein back, because like, you had A.J. Klein and Demario Davis play every single snap. Uh, 100% of the snaps this game. So it was uh, good to have your your core pieces of your linebacker core back. And I'm sure Alonzo, uh, when he's healthy, he'll be able to jump back in there and play. And so, uh, you know, at least you saw the defense kind of get their bearings together in the second half. And Jeff, yeah, when you mentioned Patrick Robinson, look, he breaks up that pass deep in the end zone toward the end of the game, and he played that perfectly. And, I, you know, the Patrick Robinson of old might have committed pass interference. So I think that one play alone where I saw him do that, I thought, all right, hey, at least P-Rob, when you're at, when he's being asked to play, that he was able to, to get in there and, and be a viable option for the Saints. Yeah, Sean Payton talked about it afterwards. He said, uh, we've got good depth at the cornerback and, and defensive back position, and I think he's right. They've got experienced guys. Uh, getting Jenkins into that mix certainly helped. And, you know, I wrote my column about – C.J. Gardner-Johnson, obviously he made the play of the game. I mean, the defensive play he made, if he doesn't uh, cause that fumble, I mean, hell, the Saints might have lost the game. You know, they were driving. They were going to be at the 39-yard line, uh, down three, and just over four minutes left in the game, they could have maybe driven down and scored a touchdown and won the game. So that was a huge play, turned the whole game around. Not only did he knock the ball loose, he picked it up and ran it back 30 yards. Uh, And he has really come on. I can see where he's going to be the future at some spot uh, in the secondary. The way he's played, I mean, he's had a number of big plays for the Saints. He's obviously not afraid to stick his head in there. I mean, last week he got concussed in the game, and he still comes back and makes a hit like that. And a key moment uh, says a lot about his fearlessness and the mindset he takes into playing. And I think that's infectious. I think they need a guy like that on the back end. They really don't have that kind of guy when Von Bell's not out there. Uh, so I think that's another draft find by Jeff Ireland. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I think, is the the, the, st- uh, the prototype for the modern NFL defensive back, a guy that can play a bunch of different positions and is really more of a hybrid than he is a true free safety, strong safety, nickel, big nickel guy. Um, so that was a very positive development as well. And, Jeff, you look at the hit. An excitable guy like that might have used his helmet, but the technique, the way I saw it, I'm sure people in Tennessee might disagree, but the way I saw it, it was a shoulder. Like, he did not lead with his head. He hit him with the shoulder, and, you know, bang, bang, plays like that. I mean, it's still football. They still happen, uh, but it was not helmet to helmet, and uh, look, that's just being, uh, you know, heady. Not to use a pun, but still, that's that's a head. Nice. That's a head. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. Nice. That, I am not that uh, creative. Trust me. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, look, it was it was to me a clean hit, a, a rough hit, but a clean one. And so 
uh, like I said, you know, other players, you maybe would have gotten too excited and just like led with the helmet and he didn't do that. And so that's, but yeah, Jeff, I'm with you. I mean, he is, you knew when they drafted him that they were really excited about him. Uh, they traded up again in the four, top of the fourth round to go get him. And I think he's fit right in. And Jeff, yeah, you're right. I think he's someone who we're going to be seeing with the Saints for quite a long time. Yeah, the Saints players are really high on him. You talk to them, they have a lot of respect for the way he plays the game, how hard he plays. Uh, yeah, he's going to be a key cog in their defense going forward. And I mean, I think he's probably, even though he, even though that was a clean hit, I agree with you. I, I didn't think it was dirty at all. And he talked about that afterwards. I still think he's going to end up getting fined for it, uh, the way the NFL is coming down on these guys. Uh, he's already been fined twice this year. This could be the third time he's been fined. And he's not making that much money as a, as a mid-round draft pick when he gets fined like that. I mean, it almost takes away his entire game check. Uh, but he's not going to, I don't think, let that affect him. Uh, that's just the way he plays the game. And um, I, I think right now they've got to find way, more ways to get him on the field uh, because he's just got a nose for the ball. He reminds me a lot of, like, Sammy Knight. He's a much more athletic guy than Sammy Knight. But – has the instincts to be around the ball and kind of create havoc every time uh, he makes a play. And Jeff, poor Justin Hardy. I mean, come on, man. That that, <laughs> that that deserves to be on the come on, man. I mean, my goodness. Play was drawn up perfectly. I mean, wasn't he a former wide receiver, I feel like? Maybe that's why he was a former wide receiver. Uh, but, oh, my gosh. it's uh, That was a perfect play, a perfect throw. And knowing him because he he look he he works for everything on special teams you know that's like his lifeblood and he knows it and uh, hopefully at some point maybe they call that play again but that was perfection outside of the catch I mean perfect snap perfect throw by Taysom he was open and oh boy I'm sure he's going to catch some uh, grief for that in in the film room yeah I thought it was a great call it was amazing to me how well it worked except for the the actual reception part of it because a lot of people were expecting it. It was like about the place on the field where you expect a fake and he'll execute it very well. I think it was a smart time to call it because, uh, you know, the saints didn't want to give the ball back. They were just giving up a touchdown. So it made a lot of sense to do that. Uh, you just got to squeeze the, squeeze the orange, man. It just didn't happen for him. Uh, and he's a former receiver, played receiver right. in high school. So, you know, it's amazing. Uh, Taysom Hill, another big game. What about him going downfield, Larry, and going up and making a competitive catch a la Mike Thomas? He's just your third-string quarterback uh, making about a 30-yard catch downfield. I'm thinking uh, after this year uh, that Taysom Hill will be – you know how we play fantasy baseball, Jeff, and you have players who like qualify at different positions. I think fantasy football has got to make an exception and have Taysom Hill qualify at different positions. I mean, uh, he's just been that type of player. And, and Jeff, I don't want to go as far as to say, okay, maybe Taysom Hill be, becomes a Julian Edelman type of player where he's a receiver and this, that, and the other because they like to use Taysom more versatile than Julian Edelman. But still, I mean, it, it seems like every week, especially since Drew's come back, they've been able to open the playbook a little bit more for Taysom and you know, it's not just he just keeps doing things that amaze you. Uh, it, it's just he just does different things. Like, okay, he's now looking like a wide receiver. And, you know, things that you would not have thought of maybe uh, even after going into this year that he'd be more polished uh, than what we've seen. And so, yeah, I think we're just going to see more from him and it's just going to become more commonplace than it is uh, even going into the season. Yeah, he's almost like a an extra tight end right now, you know. I mean, he plays that kind of 
F position, H back position that we've seen some other guys in the past. And uh, they just, it's just a testament to the creativity of Sean Payton and the offensive staff able to move him around. I think they're going to do some similar things with Zach Lyon, you know, uh, now that he's back in the fold. Uh, so this offense, uh, as we've said throughout the pod, I mean, is really coming on. I mean, they're number eight in the league right now, 373 yards a game, number five in scoring offense. Uh, like I said, they've, I think they've scored over 30 more than any team in the league, Larry. And here we are always, I guess the standard is so high for the Saints. We tended at one point this season to think the offense wasn't as explosive as it's been in the past, but yet they're still putting up uh, points on a very high level, and it seems like they're getting better uh, late in the season, which is exactly the way you want to be trending going into the postseason. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, they are definitely trending upward. because It seemed like they had their lull in the middle of the season and then got over it. And we've seen some of these championship years where their lull is at the end and, and they overcome it. But it seems like they've hit their lull and now they, they're, they're starting to kind of be a team on the rise. And, yeah, I'm with you, Jeff. And so, look, we, that turns our attention to – uh, what's going to happen in Week 17? We know the Saints are going to play all their starters because they're neck deep in the thick of the playoff hunt. Uh, I would assume that the game will be flexed to 3 o'clock because typically the NFL every year, whenever they have games that mean something, they move them and play them all at the same time. So I that would be my expectation going into this game. But Jeff, I mean, all of our eyes, I know uh, – this pod's going to hit before tonight's game. Of course, gigantic game in the standings uh, for the Saints as the Vikings are going to take on the Packers. And then it'll come down to mano and mano, really, uh, in, in the final week, depending on what happens tonight. And so, uh, yeah, like, and, and luckily for the Saints, they're playing a Carolina team who's just ready to get this season over with. So uh, plenty to watch coming up these uh, these next seven days, right, Jeff? Yeah, well, look, I think the game tonight uh, is critical. I mean, the Packers lose this game. The Saints are assured of a – well, I shouldn't say assured, but most likely will get a number one or number two seed, one of the top two seeds, as long as they beat Carolina next week, which seems like a foregone conclusion the way Carolina's just playing out the string. Now, the ominous news there, I just tweeted it out this morning. Adam Schefter had it. Uh, I didn't realize Kirk Cousins has never won a game on Monday Night Football. He's 0 for 8 quarterback of the Vikings, and I know they're playing without Dalvin Cook, but I really think they're going to win that game in Minnesota. We've been in that stadium. It's going to be electric tonight, big rivalry game. Mike Triplett pointed something out to us last night that I didn't know about, but if Minnesota wins the game, it's going to stack up to where it looks like they might end up having to turn around and play Green Bay in Green Bay uh, in the first round of the playoffs if that were to happen. So he's he was questioning whether the Vikings even have incentive to win that game or not. But I think they're just going to want to beat the Packers because they hate the Packers. Uh, I would be shocked if they didn't uh, bring their A game tonight. And then all eyes will be on Seattle, San Francisco next week. But I, going back to it, obviously they'd like to have the number one seed and guarantee home field advantage in the Superdome. But I really don't think it's impaired. I think as long as they get that bye, get healed up, get one home game, They'll take their chances if they have to go anywhere on the road as the number two seed because this team is battle-tested on the road. They're 13-2 and two, their last 15 road games, and one of those losses was the one when Breeze got hurt earlier this season. Uh, so I don't think this team is like some of those past Saints teams in the Peyton Breeze era that really struggled to win on the road in the playoffs. I don't, I don't think that 
statistic applies to this team. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Dunk and Holder podcast. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Larry Holder, at Jeff Duncan underscore, at The Athletic NOLA for all the great coverage we do here uh, in our New Orleans site. And, of course, uh, podcasts, many of you listening to this for free on Apple, Spotify. So rate, review, subscribe, tell your friend, tell two, tell 20 uh, to jump on the Duncan Holder podcast. But of course, you can jump on and listen through The Athletic, which theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. And so this is going to be our one podcast this week. They're actually giving us a little bit of downtime since it's the holidays. So thank you to the bosses at The Athletic. But uh, we will be back on Monday, so a week from today, we'll be back. Jeff will have covered Saints Panthers. I will have covered LSU Oklahoma. So we will have full detail of our thoughts and what's what happened uh, in those two games. So that will be coming next Monday. So uh, again, uh, follow all of our coverage of all things New Orleans sports at theathletic.com/slash New Orleans. So I want to thank Danielle who is having to earn her paycheck today, uh, thanks to uh, uh, me and Jeff's tomfoolery, as always. But uh, I want to thank Danielle, and of course, for Jeff Duncan, I'm Larry Holder. Thanks for joining us here on the Duncan Holder Podcast on the Athletics Podcast Network.